0: Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico.
1: Puerto Rico is home to a thriving culinary scene based on products and traditions from the native Taino, African, and Spanish peoples that have influenced it.
0: When you go, there are a host of restaurants, bars, breweries, distilleries, farms, and coffee houses to dig into, from five star experiences to local favorites.
1: No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Today's episode is brought
0: to you by Westholm. We all know from home cooks to restaurant chefs to eating enthusiasts that the quality of your ingredients makes all the difference, especially when it comes to meat.
1: Westholm, which is based in Queensland and the Northern Territory, Australia, is working with the land to create nature-led Australian Wagyu. They steward 16 million
0: acres of rangeland, guided by the natural ecosystem where their cattle thrive. The result is high-quality Wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of Northern Australia, and a flavor suited to
1: complement any cuisine. Westholm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more at westholmcom saver. That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E dot com slash saver.
2: Before AI can help your business predict demand, accelerate growth, inform decisions, automate tasks, reveal insights, generate content, you have to trust it. Introducing WatsonX Governance helping you govern any AI as data, models, and policies change so you can scale it responsibly. Let's create AI that begins with trust with Watson X Governance. Learn more at ibm.com governance. IBM. Let's create
1: Hello, and welcome to Savor, production of iHeartRadio.
0: I'm Annie Reese And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today, we're talking about food in Buffy the Vampire Slayer.
1: You heard that correctly, listeners. <laughs> food <laughs> in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. This was a suggestion from listener Christy. Hi, Christy. Hello. That, uh, Lauren absolutely jumped on. Um, yep. And I was like, is,
0: well, that's the one. That's the one for this week.
1: <laughs> I am so excited about this. <laughs> I, and I know I say that in every episode, and it's true in every episode, but I'm excited for a different reason in this one because a lot of times we talk about things where I know you've probably experienced this too, Lauren, where. You do the research, but it's just different than like living in that world and knowing it,
0: and no, yeah, and being able to write. It's the difference between like just following all of these lines of of, of inquiry that you that you find reference to, and right. having those lines of inquiry yourself, and exactly more or less being able to answer them off the top of your head.
1: Exactly, but most of the time, I feel like you and I are on a very similar. Wavelength, like maybe one of us has a little bit more experience, but not much. But this is a time where I'm so excited because I feel like the stuff that I've written, you might be able to correct me or be like, "Well, and also because you have so much more knowledge of it than I do." Uh
0: yes, I have. I have some Buffy knowledge in my head that yes. if that would be inaccurate. But
1: but but you 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 watched it too. I did, and it's actually one of a handful of shows that I watched on TV every episode. Oh, Um, wow. Yeah. uh Um, I was kind of youngish, though, and there are some things I remember super well. I remember that, like, song, they're coming for you, you're going to die screaming, but you won't be heard. I still remember that really well. Oh, from from Hush, right, yeah. Yes. And then (laughs) I've often said that uh, the body— the one where Buffy's mom dies is one of the best episodes I've ever seen on television. Um. Uh,
0: yeah, a spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> well, it's been was <laughs> it? It's, it's, it's been a it's, long it's, time. It's over twenty years old. But uh, okay, so fair, <laughs> fair. I was like, good. I just pearl clutched. Um, uh, <laughs> <She> well, <did. laughs> okay, but but yes, um, uh, for sure, that episode is just extraordinarily well done. Um, uh, they they chose to do the episode completely without soundtrack. As one of the ways to to really drive home uh, grief, and, yeah. and especially that very early grief process.
1: Yeah, yeah, like ringing sound. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I did rewatch the whole series about, like, six or seven years ago. Whenever that big, like, we had those two snow apocalypses. I, um, I rewatched it in there. Uh, but as I recently told Lauren off mic, <laughs> I'm one of the worst people to watch things with because I'm always doing a million other things. So I kind of feel like I halfway watched him and halfway didn't. That's uh, about where I am. Um, I do love it. I love it.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I actually missed the Buffy train while it was originally airing for the most part. Um, I I didn't... I didn't catch on until until my friends uh, Kate and Gabe uh, sat me down and made me watch the musical episode, which is from mm-hmm. season six. Um, and they and like like paused it to explain all the references. They were like, "No, <laughs> you will like this show. You should be watching it. Here is why." And uh, <laughs> this this was only like a little bit after it aired. Um, I was finally convinced uh, that that watching the whole thing was worth a try. Um, but, of course, this was, you know, as it was airing in, what was that, like, like 2002, um, I think. And so this was before, like, way before streaming services. It was before the show was even out on DVD at all. Um, mm-hmm. It was only on VHS, and I was a broke college student. So, um, So the way that I watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer is that my friend Aaron kindly sent me Boxes and boxes of VHS tapes that he had recorded off of broadcast television.
1: Oh, that is a solid friend. <laughs> and- <laughs> I did the same for a friend of mine with Supernatural for a while.
0: <laughs> oh man! Oh yeah, that is that that is that is a that is a heckin' solid friend right there. Um, <laughs> and I I did I went through through those tapes in like a very short period of time. Um, and I, yeah, I, I, I loved it. Um, and I will say that I've since then, uh, you know, I, I finished watching the series as it aired and then, uh, uh, yeah, I've watched it all the way through, I'm going to say at least three times. Um, uh, I, I tend to, when I get Obsessive about something, I I just reconsume it, kind of trying to to, to pick it apart and see how it's working. Um, mm-hmm. uh, especially, yeah, when when something either emotionally affects me or if I just appreciate the way that it was written, I really want to break it down in my head. And so I just reconsume it. It's also like a comfort thing. Like if I'm trying to go to sleep and I just want something to help me turn my brain off, I'll just put sure. on something that I'm super familiar with. Which is how um, I can say shout out to, uh, to the DVD menu music being horrifyingly startling. Um, <laughs> and that therefore not really being a great way to fall asleep at all. So, <laughs> thanks for nothing. Whoever made those DVD menus—they
1: knew what was up. They knew. <laughs> it's like the the meaner version of "Are you still watching?" with Netflix. Oh
0: yeah! Oh my gosh! Uh, yeah, if 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 "Are you still watching?" like yelled at you.
1: <laughs> yeah. Exactly.
0: <laughs> um. <laughs> Uh, and I, I do have a, a reputation around the office for for being this Buffy fan. Um, I, I went on Sminty uh, stuff. Mom never told you uh, right toward the end of Kristen and Caroline's run, um, uh, November of 2016, in order to talk about uh, to talk about the series and how, in some ways, it's great and you know ahead of its time in terms of feminism um, or a product of its time. I'd say in terms of feminism, ahead of its time on television, perhaps. Um, and how it's been so positively influential on, uh, especially like sci-fi fantasy genre TV and film. Um, you know, like it, it was one of the first series that uh, that really combined humor and and drama, and this sci-fi element in a way that I think has been endlessly reproduced since then people Mm -hmm. were suddenly like oh you can do this and it's great let's definitely do more of that and I'm like thank you yes um uh and you know how in other ways it's actually still pretty sexist um and really racist in a lot of times um and you know it's just generally far from perfect um I think in that episode of Sminty I used the word problematic like about 15 times (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, You were the you were the producer at that point, so you may may remember.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, I did used to do that, and not in a a, like a mean way, but I would if people said certain words, I would just count it a lot. But I think problematic (laughs) for that show is probably one of the number one used (laughs) words. So you don't need to worry about it. (laughs) (laughs) You're in good company.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's that's fair. It, It is definitely a part of the modern discourse.
1: Yes. Yes, it is. Um, and I gave you that board game that we unfortunately oh, haven't gotten to play.
0: We haven't. Oh, yeah, because that was kind of just before, um, ju- yeah. or I mean, rel- rel- relatively just before COVID happened.
1: Yeah, yeah. One day. One day.
0: Yes. <laughs> and uh, I guess this brings us to our question
1: Yes. Foods of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> What are they?
0: <laughs> um. Okay, well, uh, let's let's start with with what Buffy is. Okay. Okay. Um, because you know what food is hypothetically. Um, but, but I hope. <laughs> if not, At this you're point. Very I hope confused. So about what you're doing listening to this show and probably a number of other things as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, yes, um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer is a TV show um, that ran from 1997 through 2003. That's seven seasons with uh, 20-ish episodes each aside from the first season, which was shorter. Um, It's an hour format broadcast show, so, you know, like 42-minute runtime per episode, something in there. It was created by Joss Whedon, um, who was also the writer of the 1992 film of the same name, um, which is treated as kind of like a prequel by the series. Um, Mm -hmm. Different cast, different mood, the direction of that one went in different places for sure. An interesting film, I will say. (laughs) Uh, Your tone.
1: (laughs) I have a a suspicion about what that means. (laughs) Yeah, all right.
0: I've never seen it. Oh Actually. my heck! You've never okay. All right, this is that is the next movie night. On that the is list. what <laughs> is up. Or okay. I mean, okay. Or I mean, I don't want to dominate the now. The, I got to choose Scooby Doo
1: on on Zombie Island. It's somebody else's turn.
0: All right. Uh, Paul Rubens in that film is is doing the work, and I appreciate it.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm excited.
0: <laughs> anyway. um... <laughs> So anyway, it was it was kind of Whedon's way of of uh, redeveloping that concept, the series. Um, and then after the series was over, the plot was continued um, in a series of comic books that added another five canon seasons. Um, oh, wow,
1: I didn't know it was that many.
0: Yeah, me neither. Uh, uh, that's a, that's a different. We're not a culture show. <laughs> I'm not going to just give you my deep opinions about the comic books. Anyway, um, so yes. The show is, is the story of a teenage girl who is, who is called, who is chosen to be a slayer. Um, and in the show's mythos, this is like a superpowered female human whose job, unpaid job, I will add, um, it is to protect humanity from, from vampires and assorted other demons. And the show uses this premise to, to make commentary about and poke fun at um, the horror genre as a whole, um, and to make commentary about society and the expectations and assumptions that it has for us um, as we're coming of age, and by us I mean mostly middle-class white people, which is one of the show's failings. Um, but but anyway, um, because yeah, uh, this particular Slayer isn't what anyone expects her to be, right down to her name, um, Buffy. And, you know, she, she takes her calling seriously, but she also takes herself seriously. Um, her family and friends and dating life and extracurriculars and, like, lip gloss collection. Uh, it, it's a very, very third-wave feminism. Um, you know, Buffy's personal life and personality as a distinctly feminine woman are expected to be a hindrance to her her job but she turns them into assets because girl power yeah yeah <laughs> uh but hey we're a food show um <laughs> and,
1: i say again
0: <laughs> uh and because buffy is a show about people being uh peopley uh in a, in a whedonism kind mm-hmm. of phrase um it does feature people eating
1: Yes, yes. So let's talk about some of the foods in here. And also, I suppose we could say, start with one that uh, (laughs) non-people are eating, which is people. (laughs) (laughs) Right, yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you know, when I got to thinking about this, like, the whole series is obliquely about food. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. You know, part of the horror of vampires is that they're higher on the food chain than humans are. Um, lots of other demons featured in the series eat humans, too. Um, I was I was starting to make a list, and then I just stopped because it was too many. It was too many, and their names are all ridiculous and unpronounceable. And I was <laughs> like, nah, not, yeah. not today. Not one but two of Sunnydale High, the local high school's principals, get eaten.
1: I remember thinking that that is— a very dangerous high school. It seems. Oh yeah,
0: it yeah. Well, in general, I mean, it, it's they're really playing up the trope of high school as hell. But uh, right.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um. The the vampire Spike even even once says the people are like are like happy meals with legs. That's part of why <gasps> he likes them.
1: Well, yeah. I would love to, and this seems right up our alley. I would love to return and do a whole episode on like. Monsters and how, in theory, like vampires with blood and zombies eating flesh and brains. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be fun. But yeah. that might say a lot about us.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh We are both big fans of the horror genre, so.
1: <laughs> yes, we are. So maybe one day.
0: one day. Yeah. Yeah, that would be a good Halloween episode, if nothing else. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but yes, in terms of what the humans on the show eat, uh, you know, food and drink on this show are are most often props to to add visual interest to scenes. You know, like something for the actors to do with their hands during all of that exposition, um, and 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 to humanize their characters. Um, you know, like Buffy and her mom will have a conversation over a standing breakfast, or or the team will be picking at donuts and coffee while they're researching the monster of the week. Specific items of food are occasionally uh, called attention to for humor or, or very occasionally for, like, a specific plot point. Um, I uh, I read or heard on the commentary because, yes, I'm that guy who listens to the DVD commentary. Um, mm-hmm. uh, something I miss about DVDs, I don't have a Blu-ray player yet. Anyway, okay, um, yeah, uh, that um, the actor who plays uh, Giles, the mentor character, uh, Anthony Stewart Head, at least one of the writers or producers of the show was, like, concerned about his about his eating habits. They were like, Tony, do you have an eating disorder? Because you keep having food in, or drinks in every scene. Like, every scene that you're in, you're eating something. Are you okay? And he was like, I use them as props. What? <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm just trying to do something other than fiddle with my glasses all the time. What do you want from me? <laughs> Except Britisher. Um, yes, uh, it, it is a British character. Um, at one point, uh, <laughs> the, uh, he asks someone for 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 coffee, and uh, and they go, you know, why why coffee? You're 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 ruining a perfectly good British stereotype about drinking tea. And he just goes, tea is soothing. I wish to be tense. Um, <laughs> it's one of those lines I think about a lot.
1: <laughs> That's a great line. <laughs> Excellent.
0: But yeah, it, it really is um, often utilized as a as a humanizing uh, part of of the show. Um, like when uh, there there's a there's a robot that is made to look like Buffy at one point, the Buffy mm-hmm. bot. Um, and when she's trying to be like a good and like normal human, she makes just all of these dang peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, just stacks and stacks and oh, stacks yeah. of them. A um, ton of them. <laughs> Uh, Willow at one point one of, one of the characters who's usually a real do-gooder um, accidentally gets into some shenanigans mm. and afterwards she feels bad so she makes cookies um, <laughs> the quote is look cookies a very not evil thing I did oatmeal eat a cookie ease my pain baking lifts about 30% of my guilt but only 7% of my inner turmoil <laughs>
1: <laughs> It's such a Willow line <laughs> <laughs>
0: And one that I also feel deeply, I also do definitely, like, apology bake.
1: Oh, yeah, me too. <laughs> I've told everybody about my apology cheese. That's how cheese giving got started. It's <laughs> apologizing to someone with cheese, and now it's just a thing. It's natural. It mm-hmm. it lends itself to it. Um, <laughs>
0: I will say that also uh, chocolate and cake and cookies are very frequently mentioned on this show um, as comfort foods, which is interesting to me because because uh, these were, uh, still are, but especially in the 90s, I think, were, were very feminine-coded food items. Yeah. And so the fact that the series kept calling attention to them was kind of part of their feminizing of um, of the, right. the main character, Buffy. Um, right. Also, um, unlike vampires from some other vampire lores, these vampires can eat and drink people food. Um, and some enjoy doing so. Although it's primarily the aforementioned vampire spike, which again is this interesting humanizing kind of thing because um of, of all the vampire characters, this one is supposed to be really riding the line between being this this demon and being really human. Mm-hmm. Um and and so I think it's it's just a really fascinating like writer thing to put in all these references to food for this character. Um, he uh, he drinks hot chocolate at one point and like inquires whether anyone has those little marshmallow things. Um, yeah. uh, he not once but twice brings up his love for uh, for onion blossoms, like oh. blooming onions.
1: That makes so much sense because when I was researching this, I kept seeing recipes for <laughs> spikes blooming onions, and I was like, "What? Because they're pointy?
0: What? Like, yeah, yeah." <laughs> uh, yeah he he even um, he even shares the recipe for for how to make them that you that you uh, use cold water to to get mm. them to to open up and firm up so that you can then deep fry them, oh. and then threatens the character that he's just shared the recipe with. To, with with a with a solid biting, if he tells anyone that he does wow. this,
1: <laughs> so he cooks them too,
0: uh, or he just really appreciates uh, the How art. They're made, okay. Yeah, you're yeah. right. You're right.
1: Uh, assume?
0: <laughs> he asks for buffalo wings at one point. Uh, he asks uh, uh, th- th- this character is British as well, and and he asks he asks Giles at one point if he's got any weedabix um, to put in his blood.
1: Because he says that he likes the texture. <laughs> Interesting. OK. OK. Yeah, why not mix up the blood every now and then, you know?:
0: You know, <laughs> you know, you get, you get tired of,
1: of, the, of just drinking. You want something a little bit solid, right? I got it. I see, I see. And we were discussing before this, uh, we couldn't find any solid uh, information here nor there about garlic.
0: Oh, right, and whether uh, it's um, it's a deterrent or a, or a poison or whatever to, to vampires. Certainly it's shown in the show a lot when people are trying to ward off vampires, but mm-hmm. I don't think it's ever... Yeah, because I, I, like, Googled it because uh, I was like, do they ever really mention it? And they don't. Yeah, I
1: mean, it seems like you you could have a run-in with some garlic with onion blossoms or buffalo wings. So I, I my instinct is that it doesn't really bother them, but,
3: you know? Uh,
0: yeah, maybe they, right. It's certainly never, I mean, like, like crosses are shown to burn them. Um, but
1: yeah, who knows? Maybe one of our listeners does and you can <laughs> let us know. And speaking of this next thing, Christy gave like three examples to talk about when she recommended this. And those are the ones I'm going to talk about. Um, And the first one is Ted's mini pizzas.
0: Ah, yes.
1: Yes. A lot of recipes for this available online. (laughs) So all the way back in episode 11 of season two, which was in 1997, by the way, um, we as an audience were introduced to Ted's mini pizzas. So... Okay, in this episode, Buffy returns home one night to find her mother kissing a strange man. It turns out to be a salesman named Ted. Her her mother is single. This isn't this isn't like yes.
0: terribly scandalous. It's just she's dating and she doesn't usually date.
1: Right. And the way this episode is set up is definitely one of those things where it's playing on the whole, do you just not like your mother's new boyfriend? Right. Or is there actually something going on here?
0: Right. And, in you know, in this case, is this something going on that he's some kind of demon?
1: Exactly. So, yeah, Buffy isn't super happy about this. Uh, Ted tells her he's been dating her mom for a while. Um, yeah, she doesn't like the surprise. She doesn't like that he acts kind of like he's out of the 50s, mm-hmm. um, like really out of the 50s.
0: Like the 1950s, yes. yeah, like mid-century. <laughs>
1: That's fair point in this show. Thank you. 1950s. Um, <laughs> he threatens her while they're alone, but no one believes her again. They think, you just don't like this guy. I don't yeah. really believe you. The Scooby gang, as they're called. Um, they do investigate him. They learn he's never missed a day of work. He's never gotten sick. Buffy discovers that he read her diary. And uh, Ted attempts to blackmail her about being a Slayer thing, which her mom doesn't really know about at that point.
0: Right, not at this point.
1: Yes. Um, He slaps her and an altercation ensues. That ends with Ted falling down the stairs. (gasps) Dead. (gasps) Yes. That's the end. No. Um, (laughs) He's Buffy feeling incredibly, (laughs) incredibly guilty. Um, But her friends have figured out that the cookies were drugged. It was kind of like this make you feel peaceful, at ease, I'm going to like this guy Drug. And that he's had um, four wives go missing since 1957. And Buffy finds Ted in her room. Alive, I guess. Uh, And they fight again. And Buffy realizes he is a robot. Not a demon. Robot. Uh Evil robot. Or seriously
0: misguided
1: robot. I like that. Seriously misguided (laughs) robot. Um, (laughs) So he manages to escape and he... Gets to his 50s-style bunker. They find the bodies of his four dead wives there. Uh, So it turns out Ted had been a real person at one time. Um, He was an unwell, unsuccessful inventor in the 50s, the 1950s, who tried to make, quote, Hmm. a better Ted, (laughs) which was this robot. But the robot didn't seem to be better because (laughs) it kidnapped (laughs) Ted's wife, who had left him. And kept her hostage till she died and then did the same with women who looked like uh, his wife, his past wife. And uh, after this, Buffy's mom swears off men forever. Makes sense to me. Anyway, this is a food show once again. (laughs) He made these mini pizzas for everybody and uh, everyone loves them except for Buffy, especially Xander.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Buffy just flat refuses to eat any of right. Ted's food because yeah. she's, which comes off as pretty bratty. She's like, oh, I'm not hungry. Thanks. Thanks. Right.
1: <laughs> but turns out they were tropes. So, hey, <laughs> sometimes being bratty pays off. Um, yeah, yeah. He was especially trying to connect with Xander about cooking and pizza and works. But, yeah, it comes up later in the show. Uh, I learned a new word for a trope. What it was What is it? forgotten. It's when you forget your (laughs) metaphor. And so she was making a metaphor about, like, beating up vampires, but it turned into, like, and mini pizzas, and everyone likes the mini pizzas, and they shouldn't (laughs) like the mini pizzas. Uh, So it sort of became a metaphor for Ted.
0: (laughs) Uh, Okay, so speaking of pizzas, um, brief mention in here for anchovy (laughs) pizza— The, the character, Dawn, really loves anchovies on her pizza. She sings a little song about them at one point, uh, which goes, Anchovies, anchovies, you're so delicious. I love you more than all the other fishes.
1: Oh, wow. Um, That's so good. Thank you, Lauren, for that rendition.
0: You're you're welcome. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and this was apparently written in because um, one of the producers, I believe Jane Epsonson, Um Loves anchovies.
1: Anchovies, they are a very divisive food. So I'm sure that comes mm-hmm. up. Like when people like them, it is a thing you like remember about them. Uh-huh. Oh, they like anchovies. <laughs> 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 oh, okay. Here's another one Christy recommended. I do remember this episode. Yeah, yeah. Uh, double meat burgers. Yep. So... In the Double Meat Palace episode, which was in season six, Buffy takes a job at Double Meat Palace, which is sort of a like in color scheme, a very McDonald's-esque fast food restaurant.
0: Uh-huh. And and its shtick is is that um that it's got these double meat burgers. Because right. double meat is double sweet or it's a double treat.
1: Hmm. <laughs> it's sure. one of those things. Or are both. There's a rhyming slogan involved. Mm-hmm. And as you said, Lauren. Slang is unpaid, so she had to take this job. And yes, their top seller is the double meat medley, which is a beef patty, a slice of, quote, processed chicken product, and a secret ingredient. What could it be? Is it Soylent Green or Double Meat Burgers people? Are they? After noticing that some of her fellow employees have seemingly disappeared, and when she finds out, finger in the meat grinder, Buffy begins to suspect the secret ingredient is, in fact, a people. Um, (laughs) She gets fired after she runs out and is telling all the patrons in the dining area about her suspicions. Um, (laughs) She has Willow analyze the ingredients and, drumroll, it is not people. It's not even meat. Nope. Nope. It's cellulose.
0: (laughs) It's vegetable protein.
1: Yeah. Yep. Uh Uh-huh. Um, As Madeline Davies over at Eater pointed out, when this episode came out in 2002, there were plant-based burgers around, um, but they hadn't really entered the fast food market yet. So, this was like pre-Impossible Burger and Beyond Burger. So, in a way, the Double Meat Palace was ahead of its time. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And if you're worried, (laughs) Buffy did get her job back, although I guess you could argue the pros and cons of that. Uh, at this particular <laughs> establishment, and a monster was behind the missing employees and the finger of course
0: yes the the monster was eating humans um, it, yes mm-hmm. but 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 no one else was except for maybe a little bit that got into the meat grinder
2: uh. <laughs>
1: yes, <laughs> so, <laughs> that is the devil meat burger.
0: Um, and, uh, I guess on that note, (laughs) we, we do have, um, we do have more food of Buffy for you. Um, but first we've got a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico. We've talked in a bunch of different episodes about facets of Puerto Rican cuisine, Um, like the dish mofongo, uh, made of savory, deep-fried mashed plantains studded with some kind of tasty protein, and the creation of the cool, creamy pina colada. But there is so much more there. Um, I've actually never been. You have a tiny
1: bit of experience, don't you? Yes. Unfortunately, it was a very tiny bit of experience. Mm-hmm. I was there for about a day. I'm kicking myself for that now. I remember having delicious rums, delicious drinks. But I want to go back because, yeah, so many episodes we do on here, when we're talking about food from Puerto Rico, I want that. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it sounds amazing. We're trying to get a savor team trip
0: yeah. together. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, we're, we're trying to get a trip to a lot of places, but this is, yeah. this is really top of the list. Even putting together this ad read made me hungry. I was like, oh, oh, I want to try those things. Yeah, as we've talked about before, there are influences there from African and Spanish and native Taino foodways. The culinary scene sounds amazing, and we want to go, and I'm hungry. No me passport too. is required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. You can learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Today's episode is brought to you by West Home. I'm a person who doesn't really cook with a lot of meat, to be
1: honest, because when I do, I want it to be special. I'm the same, and I do love sharing that food with people. And I have to say, we received some product, some steak,
2: (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I
1: am very eager to share it with my friends.
0: Yeah, uh Westholm sent us uh, a few of their products and they included these gorgeous, gigantic tomahawk steaks that I like opened the box and immediately sent a picture to my best grilling friend, like hang out soon. Yes, I did too. <laughs> Westholm offers these beautifully marbled stakes because they have 16 million acres of rangeland across the northeast corner of Australia, from Brisbane to Darwin. They use a nature-led approach with the belief that if they balance the needs of their cattle with the needs of their environment, both can thrive.
1: Their cattle graze on native grasses like Mitchell grass, which is found only in Australia, and roam wild, foraging at will for the first two to three years of their lives. The result is
0: Wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of northern Australia and a quality that would complement
1: whatever you're into cooking right now. Westholm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more at That's westholme.com/savor. That's w-e-s-t-h-o-l-m-e dot com/savor.
2: Happy Pride from TomboyX. X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop.
3: Glow with your best skin. Be confident in your skin.
1: And we're back. Thank you, sponsor.
0: Yes, thank you. Uh, okay, uh, I wanted to put in a, a brief note here um, about uh, not food within Buffy, but food from the actor who played Buffy, Sarah Michelle Gellar. Um, she published a cookbook back in 2017. It's called Stirring Up Fun with Food, and it's it's a lot of family-friendly recipes to make food more fun and, and creative for kids um, because her and her husband, Freddie Prince Jr., have two kids, and she says that she had to like seriously do some do some learning in the kitchen um, when <laughs> the kids came along. Um, and Annie, it features a menu for Star Wars Day, ah! including Chewy cookies. Oh. Um, yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, apparently, Sarah Michelle and apparently the whole family are fans. Um, uh, Fre- Freddie does uh, voice acting for for Star Wars as the Jedi Kanan. Um, Sarah Michelle shows up in uh, the show Rebels as well.
1: Um. So I didn't know Freddie Prinze Jr. was in the Star Wars universe. And (laughs) um, when I saw the most recent film, Rise of Skywalker, I was sitting through the credits and I saw his name pop up Mm -hmm. in the credits as a voice. And I turned to my friend and I said, so seriously... Freddy, Prince, Jedi.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so that's what I call him now. Um, also,
2: <laughs>
1: Lauren knows but one of my quarantine projects is I'm keeping track of how many Star Wars references I encounter in a day. Uh, I've been doing this since May. Wow. And mm-hmm. I have mm-hmm. some serious data. But you've given me <laughs> several right here. And also, right before we started recording, I remembered the theme song for Buffy is by the Nerve Herders, which is a Star Wars reference. <laughs> the puts name of the band like, is a Star Wars
0: reference. Yes,
1: yeah. <laughs> yes. I think that puts me up to like eleven today already. So,
0: oh wow, yeah, dang. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm always glad to help.
1: <laughs> Thank you. That that really gave my day a boost. Thank
0: you. Oh, and if you haven't watched Star Wars Rebels, you totally should. I I really enjoy that show. It's super, it's super fun.
1: Yeah, I've been meaning to. I know I'll like them. I get kind of nervous with TV shows that I know I'm going to like have to finish because I'm also like, I'll stay up all night and I'll, Mm -hmm. I just know it's going to be a big thing to embark on. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm I'm waiting to be ready to, but yeah, I definitely want to check it out. And what's the other one I want to see? Clone Wars.
0: Oh, yeah. Also great. Also great. Yes. High quality. I must. Um, (laughs) uh, But okay, back to Buffy.
1: Yes, and uh, this is another one Christy sent, Mm
0: -hmm. and it's
1: band candy. Uh,
0: This is one of my favorite episodes, probably.
1: Oh, I I remember this one, too. Um, And this, it took me back (laughs) because— (laughs) <laughs> oh, Lauren and Andrew recently were subjected to some of my very <laughs> traumatic marching band memories. And I have <laughs> so many. <laughs> I did have to sell these chocolate bars and lollipops and donuts to raise money for our band uniform. So this hit close to home uh,
0: for uh-huh. me. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: I would love to have just a... We need to do our... We're vaguely talking about doing random Saturday shows that aren't food-related, which I'm sure will never happen. But if we did, (laughs) I want to do one that's just me complaining about marching band.
0: Uh, Yeah, oh, I'm into it. Oh, man, we uh, we could do a whole other one of me complaining about Yearbook. It would be great. Yes!
1: Okay, all right. Maybe quarantine (laughs) project in the future. But yes, back to band candy in the world of Buffy. Uh, This is the title of the sixth episode in season three. And the principal passes out boxes of milk bar chocolate for the students to sell to raise money for the band uniforms. Not just
0: to the band students, right? To all the students, yes. Uh, because this th- this particular principal portrayed, uh, gorgeously by Armin Shimmerman, who also plays Quark in Deep Space uh, Nine. Oh yeah, um, is is just is just a real just a real nasty little guy, uh, and oh.
1: Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh, indeed. So, yeah, I remember being like, what? He's just passing these out to non-band students? Um, <laughs> as so often happens, Buffy sells half her candy to her mom. Uh, and she sells the other half to Giles, which is sort of her mentor. Also mm-hmm. often happens. Um, <laughs> and both learn that she's lied to them about her whereabouts, because uh, they're kind of overscheduling her, Um trying to keep her on track, like SATs and slaying practice, all this stuff. And in their stress of finding this out, uh, they eat some of the chocolate. And the next day, Buffy (laughs) notices some out-of-character behavior from the both of them. Giles is late. He's smoking. Uh, Her mom pulls out a bottle of Kahlua and uh, gives Buffy the keys to her car when she'd earlier refused to allow Buffy to even get a license Giles starts going by Ripper, which is his like 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 bad boy youth name. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Uh, later, Buffy and Willow go to to a club, the Bronze, and it's just packed with adults acting like teenagers, including the principal. Mm-hmm. And they are all they all seem to be shoving their faces with these candy bars, leading the Scooby Gang to suspect that they are the candy bars are behind this behavior.
0: Ah.
1: And the situation really escalates. Giles beats <laughs> up a cop and steals his car and all of his stuff. He and Buffy's mom make out on the hood of the car. It's uh, more than make out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Buffy finds out later during uh-huh. this one period of time when she can read people's thoughts.
1: <laughs> yeah, they do mention this in uh, several episodes. It's one of those things.
0: Yeah, it, it actually turns really sweet, but but at any rate, please yes. please continue. <laughs> yes.
1: Yes. Um, so Buffy investigates the factory that manufactures the candy bars and interrogates the person running it until he admits uh, that the candy is a part of a plot to render the adults kind of uncaring uh, while a demon eats babies. <laughs> As you do. Yeah. Pretty
0: sure. much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and the the baddie here, um, uh, not the demon, but the but the dude running the the candy factory, was one of Giles' old friends from his Ripper days. Mm-hmm. Uh, one one Ethan Rain, um, who also shows up in another candy related episode, um, the, the the Halloween episode from season two. The name of which I did not look up. Um, candy doesn't really fit into his plot. That time, um, but uh, but Xander does give a group of young trick or treaters advice on how to uh, sleaze extra candy from from the houses that they hit up.
1: Ah, <laughs> those days—be a kid, just trying to get the most candy that you can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also love how, in the at least the synopsis I was reading on, I think it was the Buffy Wiki fandom for this episode. It said. Mm-hmm. Buffy interrogates Ethan with her fist. and he. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's a, yep. I love the phrasing of that. Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. So this one I actually found on my own, and I don't remember this episode at all, but...
0: Oh, it is unmemorable, so that's fair.
1: <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, we'll talk about that more in a minute. But the episode in question here is Beer Bad, which is in episode five, um, season four, Buffy is not handling a recent breakup well, uh, so she goes to the bar that Xander recently got a job in as a bartender. I think he f- he faked with a fake ID, I believe.
0: Yeah, because none of them are of age at this point.
1: Right. Um, to drink her sorrows away uh, with a beer called Black Frost. So she gets drunk with a group of college dudes, uh, later wakes up not feeling so hot, but that doesn't stop her from going back, drinking even more that night. Um, until Xander makes her go home, uh, only to find that her drinking buddies are now aggressive Neanderthals. Yes. 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 You know how it goes. Uh, sure. All there. <laughs> um, turns out the pub's owner has been using a chemical lab to brew this revenge beer in retaliation for all the stuff <laughs> college kids have put it through over the years. Also, as you do. Yep. Um, Okay, so yes, there is a lot of controversy around this episode. Uh, A lot of folks regarded it as one of the worst episodes ever. Um, Some international viewers uh, called out what they saw as American puritanicalism. Alcohol and casual sex are bad, that kind of messaging. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe Joss Whedon was even asked about it. He was like, you know, some of them don't turn out how they thought they would on paper, but why? (laughs) Um... Apparently, the episode was written with the original intent of cashing in on some U.S. government subsidies provided to entertainment that had this anti-drug message. Ah. Uh, yeah. And and people involved in this program at the White House would read scripts. Um, wow. Yeah. And th- this was like a big secret. Hardly anyone knew about I mean, a handful of people knew about it until Salon reported on it after investigating for, I think, six months. Um, and it caused this huge uproar. Some were calling it propaganda and mind control. Hmm. Um, Beer Bad, though, this was like an official memo report I was reading. This episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer was rejected, like, in this memo uh, (laughs) for funding. And someone (laughs) who, who helped make the decision said... Drugs were an issue, but it wasn't on strategy. It was otherworldly nonsense, very abstract, and not like real life kids taking drugs. Viewers wouldn't make the link to our message. (laughs) Otherworldly nonsense. nonsense. Oh, wow. That that.
0: I mean, fair, fair. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah. (laughs) I mean, I think I would have gotten the message, though.
0: It's pretty. I. You know, and I was thinking about this, and, and I would say that, that overall, throughout the series, the way that drinking and drug use is portrayed um, is, is very cautious. Um, it's, it's certainly portrayed as, as negative for the underage characters. Um, throughout the series, uh, both magic and vampirism are used as metaphors. They are portrayed as addictive and destructive you know, like only the bad guys smoke cigarettes and only when, you know, they're just casually trying to be like, oh, I'm evil, I'm smoking. Um, right. Uh, <laughs> after after the characters are of age, they are occasionally shown drinking, but only like casually. Um, at one point, the character Anya, who happens to be a thousand-year-old vengeance demon who looks like like a... Late teenager, maybe maybe in her early twenties. Um, she, she's at one point unable to order a drink, <laughs> an alcoholic drink at the Bronze, because she doesn't have ID. Mm, um, mm-hmm. So so you know, like they they usually stay on top of it. So I I think that that government reader should <laughs> have considered more deeply.
1: <laughs> he should have this beer <laughs> <dear> bad episode. <laughs> um. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was, it was a totally fascinating, unexpected rabbit hole. And they had a list of all the shows that like got money. They got like millions oh. of dollars. Wow. Um,
0: huh.
1: Like the Drew Carey show, Wayans Brothers, uh, and the episodes that got the funding. So if you want to yeah. look into it, it was fascinating to me. Um, but I also want to say, not all bad. This episode was nominated for an Emmy for Outstanding Hairstyling in the Series. <laughs> So, <laughs> take that haters
0: uh this is extra funny because uh <laughs> because the the hair styling in question is that as Buffy regresses into like this Neanderthal buffy state, um her hair just gets like big, wacky cave person hair mm-hmm. uh. I, I'm I'm saying that as though it means something real, but it's it's just like this like giant like sticks and leaves kind of kind mm-hmm. of boof of hair. <laughs> yeah. Um. Now you're so, painting a great picture. Yeah. <laughs> uh. So I, you know, I appreciate that the people behind the Emmys really appreciated that. They recognize greatness <laughs> when they see it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I wanted to put in here another episode that, that does deal explicitly about food, um, the Thanksgiving episode, Pangs. Um, And this is Season 4, Episode 8. Uh, the, the plot revolves around Buffy attempting to host her own Thanksgiving because her mother is out of town for Thanksgiving that year. Um, and, you know, she, she's also just graduated high school. So it's kind of playing on that thing that many of us experience when we're kind of on our own for the first time, trying to do this grown-up thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and and literally everything that could go wrong does, like up to and including the vengeful spirits of wronged Native Americans uh, cursing and or killing people in ways reminiscent of the ways that colonizers harmed them.
1: Wow. Yeah. As you do.
0: Yeah, um, and and this is this is real awkward, y'all. Um, but you know the, the show is trying to deal with it reflexively. Um, like the spirits come to life in the first place when ground is broken for a new cultural center, mm. which disturbs a sacred native site. So. Right. They're making an effort—and, and like, the characters all feel conflicted about fighting the spirits because they're like, no, you weren't the ones who were in the right in the first— oh, you're trying to kill us, okay. Um, uh, one character, uh, again, Willow, is is conflicted about celebrating Thanksgiving in general uh, because of all of the wrongs that colonizers did to Native people. Um, she says, it's a, it's a sham. And Buffy replies, but it's a sham with yams. It's a, it's a yam sham.
1: <laughs> sham.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, food comes up a lot because they're, you know, making a Thanksgiving dinner. Um, uh, Anya, the aforementioned thousand-year-old vengeance demon, um, insists that Thanksgiving is a great ritual sacrifice kind of holiday and that she loves that sort of thing. And upon being challenged, they're like, this is not a ritual sacrifice. She says, to commemorate a past event, you kill and eat an animal. It's a ritual sacrifice with pie.
1: Hard to argue with that,
0: correct? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And a a few more little ones to kind of to kind of wrap up. Um, I did want to put in that the demons of this series do not only eat people. Um, Kittens are also a popular demon snack.
1: Oh wow, not cats, but kittens. Okay, (laughs) but
0: kitten kittens specifically. Yeah. Um, Oh gosh, yeah. There's a there's a quote at one point. uh, a, A demon. Is is saying like, hey, to, to another demon, like, hey, pay up those kittens you owe me. And the, the second demon goes like, goes like, but but I I just need a little more time, okay? And the first one goes, well, time is what turns kittens into cats.
1: <laughs> oh, see, this is what I want to see. I always want to see the goofy, like, I want to see that demon <laughs> trying to catch kittens. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's what I want. Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> one of one of the demons that they that they try to humanize a little bit. Um, uh, the demon's name is Clem. Um, he actually gives up his kitten habit because mm. uh, because he. I, I think it's a combination of like they're a little bit too caloric. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, like high. Like he was his, watching like his watch, calories. <laughs> he was watching his cholesterol, you okay. know, and and also he feels bad about it.
1: Okay, but, but it's primarily, primarily <laughs> I think. I got it. <laughs>
0: Um, one of the, uh, one of the great mysteries of the series is the cheese man.
1: (gasps) Not the cheese man.
0: (laughs) Uh, yes, the cheese man. Uh, he, He, this is, this is a dude who shows up, um, uh, in, in, in the dreams of, Four of the main characters in the episode Restless, which is the finale of season four. And it's just this guy in a suit, unassuming guy, who's who, who's carrying around slices of American cheese. Mm. Like little square oh, yeah. slices, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and he's never explained. Huh.
1: Never? Never. Oh. Well, yeah, great mystery indeed. <laughs> huh. Well... Cheese is a mystery. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Cheese is a fabulous mystery. It's yes. true. <laughs> um, and uh, and I guess I, I guess I wanted to to, to finish out this episode uh, with a reference from the finale of the show, in which Buffy refers to herself as cookie dough. Yeah, she she says she, she's trying to explain to. Longtime flame, uh, sometime vampire, uh, angel—that you know she's not ready to, to 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 settle down with him or with anyone, um, or to make any serious choices about her life because she is still growing up. Um, and she says, "Okay, I'm cookie dough. I'm not done baking. I'm not finished becoming whoever the hell it is I'm going to turn out to be. I make it through this and the next thing and the next thing, and maybe one day I turn around and realize I'm ready." I'm cookies. And then, you know, if I want someone to eat mm, or enjoy warm, delicious cookie me, then that's fine. That'll be then when I'm done. Beautiful. It is. It
1: is. <laughs> it really
0: is.
1: Yeah. That's I another
0: line that. That, that I think about a lot. I'm like, maybe I'm still cookie dough and maybe that's okay. <laughs> yeah.
1: Cookie dough's great.
0: It is.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. This has been a fun one for sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I did want to mention, I, I didn't, it's like a super short thing, but there was also that picture of Buffy in her sushi pajamas. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh-huh. And she's like saying all these tough things and she's like, that would have sounded
0: more <laughs> intimidating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If I
1: wasn't in my happy, happy sushi my- pajamas. Yeah. <laughs> I often feel that way. <laughs> like cookie dough or like I'm in my trying to be scary in my happy sushi pajamas. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But it's it's very relatable.
1: Oh, absolutely it is. <laughs> well, that's about what we have to say about the food of Buffy.
0: That is. Um, and we do have some listener mail for you. But first, we've got one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico. We've talked in a bunch of different episodes about facets of Puerto Rican cuisine, um, like the dish mofongo, made of savory, deep-fried mashed plantains studded with some kind of tasty protein, and the creation of the cool, creamy pina colada. But there is so much more there. Um, I've actually never been. You have a tiny bit of experience, don't you?
1: Yes. Unfortunately, it was a very tiny bit of experience. Mm-hmm. I was there for about a day. I'm kicking myself for that now. I remember having delicious rums, delicious drinks. But I want to go back because, yeah, so many episodes we do on here, when we're talking about food from Puerto Rico, I want that. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it sounds amazing. We're trying to get a savor team trip yeah. together. <laughs>
0: oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, we're, we're trying to get a trip to a lot of places, but this is, yeah. this is really top of the list. Even putting together this ad read made me hungry. I was like, oh, oh, I want to try those things. Yeah, as we've talked about before, there are influences there from African and Spanish and native Taino foodways. The culinary scene sounds amazing, and we want to go, and I'm hungry. No passport is required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. You can learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Today's episode is brought to you by West Holm. I'm a person who doesn't really cook with a lot of meat, to be honest, because
1: when I do, I want it to be special. I'm the same, and I do love sharing that food with people. And I have to say, we received some product, some steak,
2: (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I
1: am very eager to share it with my friends.
0: Yeah, uh, Westholm sent us uh, a few of their products, and they included these gorgeous, gigantic tomahawk steaks that I, like, opened the box and immediately sent a picture to my best grilling friend, like, hang out soon. Yes, I did too. (laughs) Westholm offers these beautifully marbled stakes because they have 16 million acres of rangeland across the northeast corner of Australia, from Brisbane to Darwin. They use a nature-led approach with the belief that if they balance
1: the needs of their cattle with the needs of their environment, both can thrive. Their cattle graze on native grasses like Mitchell grass, which is found only in Australia, and roam wild, foraging at will for the first two to three years of their lives. The result is Wagyu beef
0: that reflects the terroir of northern Australia and a quality that would complement whatever you're into cooking
1: right now. Westholm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more at westholme.com/savor. That's w-e-s-t-h-o-l-m-e.com/savor.
2: Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop.
3: Glow with your best skin. Be confident in your skin.
0: Yes, thank you.
1: And we're back with Liz Snurman. Is that how it goes?
0: <laughs> That's basically how it goes. Perfect. Uh, again, by the time I realized what you were doing, I was laughing too hard to really to really get into it. But yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I try. I try. <laughs> so Andrea. Andrea, I know some people say it differently, wrote about mm-hmm. a Roquefort episode. Uh, through my quick internet search, I found that the term rock comes from the term rock or rook. Any chess fan will recognize that a rook is a fortified castle. Ah! ah the cheese is made in the city of Roquefort, sur Susanne, the strongly fortified castle on the Sulsan River. My husband and I visited the Rockfort caves decades ago. My palate was less varied, and I was at first repulsed by the pungent odor. But the cheese was so fresh and delicious. I would highly recommend you taste local cheeses of your region. There is such a difference between fresh and packaged cheeses. We wandered the French countryside eating bread, cheese, and tomatoes. What Mm. could be better? Not much. Uh, Mm -hmm. During the tour of the caves, we were shown a video describing the story of cheesemaking in Roquefort. The audio was in French. We were trying to translate using our phrase book and our knowledge of Spanish and Italian. French is geographically in between, so linguistically, not so much. All of a sudden, (laughs) we heard with great dramatics, Roi de Fromage, king of cheese. (laughs) Uh, From that point on, we, um, and now our kids, shout every time we taste delicious cheese, Raw du fromage, <laughs> which is excellent.
0: That is excellent. Uh,
1: also, one of the words I have the most difficulty saying is roar, uh, like a lion. And oh, uh-huh. this, when I was in French, raw is close to it. Uh, <laughs> and we did a... I don't know why, but we we did a whole thing on The Lion King, the movie.
0: Oh, no. So I had to say <laughs> it,
1: like, so many times, and every time I would just, like, stumble and mess it up. And so I have <laughs> sort of a—I love this saying, though, like, just shouting, king of cheese. That's excellent. That is. <laughs> See, I've started shouting cinnamon roll. That's my thing now.
0: <laughs> I don't shout enough when I'm eating food.
1: Oh, you got to change that, Lauren.
0: I do. I do. I'll I'll work on it and I'll update you.
1: Okay, good. I'm sure my neighbors are like, oh, she has lost it in the quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> She's just shouting random food names.
0: Haven't we all though? I mean, haven't we haven't all? Haven't
1: we all? Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: Allie wrote, I just finished your Easter episode when I was reminded of a local holiday here in Utah. As a recent transplant to the state, I was baffled when I learned of a state holiday on July 24th called Pioneer Day. Most Utahans uh, receive this day off of work. It celebrates the arrival of the Mormon pioneers to Utah. What does that have to do with food, you ask? Well, after the parade festivities are over, if you aren't Mormon, you head to a local eatery to celebrate the unofficial Pie and Beer Day. Local breweries and uh, dessert-slash-pizza makers put their wits together to come up with many a creative and unusual combo. I've also recently gone down a movie rabbit hole for B-horror films starring food as the monster. I can recommend, if you haven't watched, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, Attack of the Killer Donuts, and Inhuman Witch.
1: I have seen the other two, but I have not seen a human witch. So, thank you. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Oh. Be
0: horror film recommendations always welcome here. You could not tell. Yeah,
1: clearly in the Buffy episode. (laughs) uh, I think we our colors are showing. (laughs) Um, Yes, please. And also pie and beer day. That sounds fantastic. And, um, Lord and I, went on a very long tangent about supernatural Uh, in these (laughs) ad breaks that we take for no apparent reason uh, we actually take and I was wondering like well when Supernatural finally ends they're in their 15th and final season uh, what episode should we do then and Dean loves pie and beer oh so there's a there's something there there is oh there is mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm (laughs) mm-hmm yeah yeah.
0: oh maybe it'll finally be time for our burger
1: episode oh yeah he does love burgers too Mm -hmm. (laughs) there's a uh so I, I believe I gave you that Buffy book, um, mm-hmm. Samantha over on Sminty. I gave her a supernatural cookbook, um, <laughs> so I have to ask her if there's any good recipes or things in there. Oh uh, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And I'll I'll check. Um, the 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 book you gave me is um, they they put out like 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 a like Willows like guide to yeah. d- demons and stuff. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> And uh, so I'll check and see if there's recipes in there.
1: Yeah. Yes. Another thing to report (laughs) back on. Um,
0: Yes. (laughs) Yes.
1: And if any of you, I know some of you listeners have sent in recipes from the the geeky nerdy things that we talk about on here. Always send those. We love them. Yeah. Um, Thanks to both of these listeners for writing in. If you would like to write to us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We're also
0: on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at SaverPod, and we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Uh, thanks, as always, to our super producers and, and our, our Scoobies, if I may say, mm-hmm. uh, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. in puerto rico you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are puerto rico
2: where visits end but stories last forever no passport required for u.s citizens and permanent residents learn more and plan your trip at DiscoverPuertoRico.com. happy pride from tomboy x we just dropped our pride 24 collection queer founded queer run and creating size and gender inclusive underwear swimwear and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin visit tomboyx.com to shop